Welcome to the Veterinary Pulse podcast. My name is Jordan Benchia. I'm the executive director of the VIN Foundation. Veterinary Pulse is the heartbeat of the profession. Join us as we talk with veterinary colleagues about critical topics from student debt to mental health and share stories. Stories connect us as humans, as animals, as a veterinary community. This podcast is made possible through individual donors like yourself and our technology partnership with VIN, the Veterinary Information Network. Thank you for being here. This episode, we're having a discussion with Amber McElhaney, a second year veterinary student at UC Davis. We take a deep dive into her pre-veterinary school strategy from research to applications and interviews to the detailed financial implications and what she wishes she had done differently. Thank you for listening. Hey, Amber, thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Let's start with just a little uh, introduction. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself to begin with? Yeah, so I am originally from the Philadelphia area. I did my undergrad at the University of New Hampshire, and now I am a rising second year veterinary student at UC Davis. Yeah, I want to go into equine medicine, and I've um, been doing some work for in this summer, and it's been great. Wonderful. Yeah, we're very excited that, um, you know, a lot of, as <laughs> as we mentioned in a blog post that you recently wrote, that there are a lot of veterinary students' plans obviously shifted this summer, and so VIN and VIN Foundation have been working with students to provide other opportunities, and so it's been great to um, have you as part of the VIN Foundation team this summer, you and some other students, and we're hoping that will continue. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So how were you, for, is, this, um, is this summer sort of job how you were first introduced to the VIN Foundation, or have you heard about it before? Sort of, I, consciously, yes. This, this summer job is um, the first real introduction I've had to the VIN Foundation. Um, I did actually use the cost of education map a lot when I was applying to veterinary school. I just don't think I ever looked at the top of the website to see what organization was actually putting it out. Um, I think the link was posted in like a Facebook page somewhere and um, I found it to be really helpful, but um, didn't realize that it was even from the VIN Foundation until I started doing work for you guys this summer. So, yeah. So when did you uh, first realize that you wanted to be a veterinarian? Um, I have wanted to be a vet as long as I can remember. I don't think I ever really had a good reason. Like I can remember in kindergarten, just always really loving animals. And in my head that equaled, okay, I'm going to be a vet one day. And, um, you know, as I got older, I definitely sort of questioned that a few times. Um, mostly just because the more I researched it, the more I found out how like difficult it is to get into vet school, like even just to begin with. And then um, there's definitely a lot of challenges once you're even in the profession as well. Um, but I don't know. I just always kept coming back to it. And um, I've always been pretty science heavy and really enjoyed medicine. And um, I've always wanted to work with horses. So here I am. <laughs> Wonderful. So was there, so there wasn't really like an immediate moment where it was like your defining moment. It was more just like sense of childhood. You thought, you know, loving horses and puppies was enough. And then you kind of had a more realistic view of that. 
Yes, um, there definitely was a phase in middle school where I thought I wanted to be a lawyer because I liked to argue with people. Um, and then I quickly realized that that would involve doing a lot, a lot, a lot of reading very, very dry material. And so I was like, well, <laughs> maybe that's not for me. But it was, I mean, never even really a serious consideration. Um, I guess I was always a little bit afraid that I wouldn't be able to cut it, but um, the more I shadowed vets through undergrad and got a little bit more hands-on experience, the more I just sort of fell in love with the profession. That's wonderful. It's a, it's a great profession in a lot of ways. So how did you start your veterinary school research? So I started probably actually a bit late in the game. I mean, from the beginning of undergrad, vet school was always the plan, but um, I know some people who, you know, grow up in a certain area and are dead set on going to their state school or um, really, really like a certain school for a certain reason and are always set on that. I really never had any ideas. I mean, I'm from Pennsylvania, so Penn was sort of always on my radar, but um, not necessarily in like a diehard kind of I have to go there sort of way, which obviously I didn't wind up there. So, um, but yeah, so I started actually probably researching schools my junior year of college. So like the, the year right before I actually was going to have to start applying. And um, the advice everyone gives you is sort of, well, pick a place that you want to live for four years because it doesn't really matter where you go, like you're gonna get the same quality of education at pretty much every vet school in the US, um, which is great advice if you're somebody who has a place they really want to live for a few years, but again, that just wasn't really me. Um, so, I, I mean, I did wind up applying mostly to Northeast schools, I think just because that's what I was more, like I'm from the Northeast, I was more comfortable with that area and a bit more familiar with sort of the reputations of some of those schools. Um, and then I also tried to look at, um, as, as much as you can, it's kind of hard to find this information, but because I want to go into equine medicine, I tried to do a bit of research into what schools had good equine programs or, um, you know, good hospitals that saw a decent amount of equine caseloads and, um, stuff like that. So when you say that people tell you to go into a place where you want to live, are those friends or those other vets that you know, is that just general you know advice for grad school or where, where did that advice come from uh for me it mostly came from undergrad professors um i was really lucky in undergrad to have a few different professors who were um, great mentors to me and uh, very helpful along the process but my actual academic advisor and um, other professors who were very helpful but um, one of them, she was, she was an equine surgeon and then was teaching some of our, um, we had a strong animal science program. So we had some equine specific classes at my undergrad, um, that she would teach. So, um, she was a vet, but I didn't meet her through a veterinary capacity. So she was one. And then, um, just other professors who had had students go into vet school after undergrad. Um, but I've definitely heard that, I think from peers as well and just sort of around. So what resources did you find helpful once you decided, okay, I want to go to veterinary school? Like you decide, okay, I want to go to veterinary school. What was your first step? First step, once I knew I really wanted to go, was just to 
try to make sure my grades were where they needed to be. <laughs> um, and then uh, once I was actually working towards the application itself, um, first step, I mean, just a lot of Googling, trying to look at uh, the websites of different schools and see if they had any sort of statistics on um, who got into vet school or like what sorts of experiences those people had. Um, the AABMC, which um, runs VimCast, the application for vet school, has some good resources on their website for um, just trying to compare different statistics about the schools and um, cost and stuff like that. Um, and then also, yeah, like I said, your cost of education map was really helpful in me trying to actually plan out um, where I wanted to apply and, and how much money I was willing to potentially spend if I were to get into vet school. Yeah, that should be a big consideration for people when they're looking at veterinary school because it does have a really high price tag. You know, choosing which school you go to, which school you want to come apply to can possibly save you hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's definitely a big decision to make. Yes. Did you find yourself, um, you know, did you join like the APVMA Facebook group or look on Student Doctor Network or were there other websites that you used or groups that you used to sort of help gather information from other pre-vets? Yeah, um, I was pretty active on the APVMA Facebook page. Um, I never used Student Doctor Network. I had friends who were applying who really, really loved it. Um, but I just, honestly, I was so busy <laughs> in undergrad and, and while applying that um, I, I was able to get everything I needed out of the APVMA page. So I just never put in the time to explore Student Doctor Network because I, I didn't feel like I needed to. But um, yeah, APVMA was um, definitely very helpful. I was not super active with APVMA as an organization throughout undergrad. Like I was in my pre-vet club, but I never went to the symposiums or anything. Um, but yeah, that Facebook page, just being able to post questions or read other people's questions and see some answers and be like, oh yeah, like I was sort of wondering that same thing. Um, I found that really helpful. Yeah, we should say that the APVMA is the American Pre-Veterinary Medical Association, and we will put a link to that as well as the Student Doctor Network Pre-Veterinary Forum in the episode notes also. So what factors you mentioned did you consider when choosing a veterinary school? Like you mentioned place to live, you mentioned equine, were there other factors? Um, you mentioned cost a little bit, but when you were sort of using the cost of education math and looking at AAVMC and other resources, you know, APVMA, Facebook, et cetera, what, what things did you sort of, did you have like a, a top five list or how, what was sort of your thought process if you could take us through that? Yeah. So, um, I guess as far as just choosing which schools to apply to, I had sort of a long list of about 12 schools, I think, um, most of which were again, East coast and just schools I was more familiar with. And I knew had, um, a pretty solid equine hospital and program in place. Um, and, and from there, I sort of narrowed it down a bit by, so I wound up applying to eight. So um, I narrowed it down a bit by just uh, honestly requirements because um, by senior year, I only had so much space to fit in in, in any extra classes. And um, there was a few schools that just have 
sort of weird extra requirements. Like, um, for example, Ohio State requires you take a public speaking class. And I just didn't want to try to fit that in in my last year. So I didn't wind up applying there. Um, and there's a few schools that have, you know, weird, um, they're not the only ones that require uh, public speaking, but just like weird classes like that that I hadn't taken or um, couldn't fit. I guess I tried to get a sense as much as I could as well from uh, students at the schools that I either knew or was able to get in contact with through some of my undergrad professors um, just to try to get a feel. Um, the equine hospital itself was a big factor for me. I really wanted one that was close to the campus. So um, that was like some schools that have really solid programs, their equine hospitals are actually sort of far away. So you might get more of that in your fourth year and, and have you know really good experience there, but I wanted something a little bit more uh, close so that I potentially could get more experience um, from first year as well. Um, and then, yeah, cost was a big one. I mean, even just the cost of the application, I tried to sort of be strategic and apply to a couple schools that I felt would be more difficult to get into, a couple schools that I felt I was fairly competitive at, and then a, a couple schools that I felt very strongly I had a good chance of getting in. Um, so if you will, like your reach schools, your more reasonable schools, and then your safety schools. So I, I tried to pick my top like two or three in each of those categories. Um, a lot of schools have supplemental application fees. So I tried to be strategic with not spending a ton and ton of money. And so it was definitely a plus if a school didn't have one of those. Um, interviews as well. I knew that if I was going to be interviewing all over the country, that would cost a lot of money. So I tried to, um, I sort of, it was a plus for a school for me if they didn't interview because I figured um, if I got in then I would spend the money to go visit but I wouldn't be spending all this money all over the place uh, before I even knew if I was really considering going there. So I guess that was sort of how I narrowed down which schools to apply to and then um, after I sort of went through the interview process and started getting acceptances um, feel of the school was a really big factor for me and um, trying to look into the curriculum as much as I could and figure out what I felt would be best for me as, as a student at that school, like what school's um, sort of philosophy would fit best for me. And you talk, you do a great job of breaking down a lot of the cost and some of your mindset and applying to the veterinary schools in the recent blog post. And we'll, we'll link that in the episode notes as well. So when you say cost was a factor, but you ended up going to Davis, which was definitely an out of state school. So what, what made you decide to go to Davis and how did you weigh that cost benefit analysis? Uh, yeah. So I guess actually another factor I forgot to talk about was that some schools allow you to uh, establish residency for tuition purposes. And Davis is one of them. I applied to a few schools that allow that. So that definitely makes it more financially reasonable to attend. Also for me, like my in-state is Penn, which is they don't really, it's not that much cheaper if you're in-state. It's not like true state schools where your tuition is about half. 
so that was also a factor for me. Like if I was from another state where my state school would have been substantially cheaper for me to go to, that might have, you know, swayed me in a different direction. But Davis is actually going to cost me less money than Penn would have. So <laughs> in that way, it was it was still a bit of a financial decision to choose Davis. And yeah, I guess North Carolina State is sort of known for being the cheapest vet school in the U.S. And I was definitely considering them, but uh, I visited both and I, I really just, I felt everyone at Davis seemed happy when I was here and the, the financial difference to me seemed just worth it to be at a school I thought I would be happier at because it is four years of your life and it's a very, very stressful four years of your life. So anything you can do to sort of mitigate that, I think is worth it. Absolutely. And, you know, in talking to you over the last few weeks, I can definitely tell that you are a rare veterinary student in as much as that you put a lot of thought and process into cost and a lot of other things. And I know that for a lot of veterinary students, it can be, I just want to go to the school. I just need to get my veterinary degree. And they don't want to think about the finances or really have to think about uh, that aspect of it because there's so many other things that can be overwhelming that they just want to focus on getting in. What would you say to those veterinary students that sort of feel like they don't want to focus on the cost or that it's just too much to think about that aspect and they really just want to go to the first school that they get into? I guess I would say I totally get it. I mean, I was always in a position where I was going to vet school. Like I did not want to take a gap year. I didn't want to only apply to like a couple and then, and, you know, see if I got in or, and if I didn't, it wasn't a big deal. Like, wait, like, um, so hence why I applied to eight schools and not like three, but at the same time, it is such a huge financial investment that I think if you have the option to, if you have options, I guess is really what I'm saying it really is best to try to consider every angle and the finances are definitely one of them because you are looking at about a quarter million, give or take in student loans, um, some schools almost as much as 400,000. So, I mean, that is not a small amount of money and um, there are repayment programs, but it still does make a huge difference in, and your quality of life for potentially the next 20, 25 years, which is not really a small thing. But at the same time, I mean, not everybody, you know, has that choice. And if you only get into a private veterinary school that charges much higher tuition and you, you know, that's all you've ever wanted to do, like I probably would have also made that choice to take the 400,000 in loans and figure it out later. Um, and Vin Foundation has so many great resources now, too, to help you figure it out later. But um, I mean, it, it is definitely something to consider and something that if you're going to do it, you should basically do it knowing what you're getting yourself into. Right. Sort of going in with the eyes wide open approach. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely something that we, you know, I think with the Vin Foundation, our goal is just we want to provide the best information we can to help well, veterinarians at every stage in their career and specifically for pre-veterinarians so that whatever school they choose to go to, we're here to help them, you know, and at least if they're going in with eyes wide open, that's the ideal. And if they don't do so, then we're still here to help at every stage. And we just feel like it's our duty to provide the information, hopefully in a effective manner to support them. 
you know, at that decision time. Yeah, absolutely. So are you happy with your veterinary school choice? I'm very happy with my vet school choice. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's always going to be a stressful time and it definitely is stressful at, at times, but, um, I think I'm able to have a fairly solid uh, work-life balance, if you will, and still be able to do extracurriculars. And um, I have a job while I'm in vet school as well. And I don't feel like, you know, by doing those extra things, I'm then taking away from any time for like myself or being able to hang out with friends or um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely very happy that I made this choice. Wonderful. I mean, that. That's a great feeling to have when you make a huge decision in life and then to feel good about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think those are all the things that we hope for. So is there anything you wish you had done differently? Now, in hindsight, you know, going into your second year of veterinary school at UC Davis, looking back on it, is there something in the pre-veterinary process or in your first year process that you wish, you know, I kind of wish I had altered this or done this a little differently or you know, you know, help others leapfrog something that, you know, maybe you're like, trust me, you don't need to go down that path because do this or do that. What, any suggestions or advice? I guess what the one thing I really do regret is actually applying to as many schools as I did. I think it's really easy to succumb to the pressure of, you know, vet school is really hard to get into. Um, you could be a great applicant and still get denied for seemingly no reason. Um, so to sort of hedge your bets and apply to a bunch. But I think in the long run, I, I wound up sort of spending more money than I needed to and not by a small amount either. And um, I probably could have narrowed down my list a bit more, but I mean, it's so hard to, you know, I was, actually abroad in Scotland the summer I was applying. So I was, I was doing research over there and, um, and then, you know, the application closes in September. So I was just starting my senior year. So trying to manage a full course load or full workload, and then also research all of these schools that it's not always easy to find the information. It just, it became sort of impossible for me to narrow it down any further at the time. So, yeah, I mean, I guess my advice really is just to start as early as possible. <laughs> Try to compile all the information you can and, and just to make the decision, I mean, both the decision where to apply and then eventually the decision where to go with as much information as you possibly can. There's that sort of leads into another question I was thinking, which is kind of touched on this. Were there any resources that, you know, were not available that in hindsight, you're like, it would have been really great to have this, or that would have been really helpful? Yeah, um, sort of standardized statistics on the admitted students is something that is lacking currently. I mean, some schools do a great job at providing um, really detailed information about their incoming classes. And then some schools sort of just give you a very vague sense of how their class did when they were an undergrad and you know what their experiences were coming in and even just having all those in one place like I spent hours and hours looking at school websites um, on only for the schools that I was considering applying to and I tried to sort of do that for myself in a spreadsheet to see how I felt I stacked up against 
um, I guess at least the the average student who winds up attending that school. So yeah, I mean that that sort of just transparency of information for uh, successful vet school applicants is a bit lacking in general. Yeah, even just the how to pay for everything. Um, a lot of what I touched on in the article really like with, um, I didn't even know, it was actually when I was at the Accepted Students Weekend in North Carolina where um, they did a financial aid presentation and they were talking about, you know, you're gonna have to move. Um, and they, they wanted people to, especially out-of-state students to move about a month before school to start establishing residency. So um, just the cost of moving and, you know, putting money down for an apartment and all of that, like a month or so before I would even see any money in student loans. So just sort of transparency on that whole financial process. And also, um, it was that same presentation where they even mentioned that there were repayment programs that would make it more feasible to repay your student loans. It's not like you're automatically forced into 10 years of repayment. And by the way, you have to live in a box to afford that. So those are both great things to know. And I think that's what turns a lot of people away from veterinary medicine is just not being willing to, willing or able to spend that much money and then with not a huge financial return. I mean, vets don't make nearly what medical doctors make, but we have about the same debt load, you know? So um, just knowing that there are options for that. You know, VIN Foundation does a great job of trying to explain that, but I find it's still hard as an undergrad to, to even find those resources or know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, they, I think that's a really good point. Finding a way to, to get that information, that's something that we definitely struggle with is that we wanna get more information out to pre-vets in undergrad. And if there's anyone listening that has great access to those people in the undergrads that can share that information, please reach out. So now that you're a veterinary student and you know, you're going into a little bit of an unparalleled type veterinary school situation this fall. Are there any resources that you feel would be really helpful? I mean, we, we did a COVID impact survey a couple months ago, and we saw that definitely mental health is something that, that a lot of people, based on those that, that um, responded to the survey, veterinary students were struggling with an increased stress feeling overwhelmed, et cetera. So that's definitely one aspect of it. But are there any, as you're kind of in this stage now where you are, are there things that you think, you know, it'd be really helpful if this was around or if, you know, if we knew about this or are you having a hard time finding information in one area or another? Um, so I guess the, the biggest thing that has been helpful is knowing how um, student loans are being affected right now. So that you know, interest has been suspended through September and um, the interest rates for next year went down like, I think about 2%. Um, interest rates are extremely low. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so I actually learned about that through um, Dr. Tony Bartels, who does you know, a lot of the financial sort of counseling and stuff for VIN Foundation. Um, he did a talk for our VBMA in I think April or May they they did a talk with him about student loans and and he brought that up and you know looking into it you you a lot of that information is included when you start running through um, if you do any of the student loan um, simulations or estimators on the VIN Foundation website but 
I mean, that wasn't advertised in my school that those things are happening. Um, and, um, you know, VBMA, I guess, is trying to put that stuff out there. But yeah, just like knowing how COVID is affecting the finances um, has been huge. And I don't know that I have a suggestion for how to make that a bit more well known because it was sort of coincidence. Like I wasn't even intending on going to that uh, Zoom talk, but my roommate, you know, knew Dr. Bartel's name and was like, every time he talks, it's really good. Like he really knows this stuff and I always get something out of it. So she put it on in the living room and then that actually was probably the best VBMA talk I went to all year. So um, that's great. You were pretty much forced to attend. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Well, the VBMA, we should say, is the Veterinary Business Management Association, and they do a great job there in all the veterinary schools and focus on really business-focused uh, topics. And yeah, Dr. Tony Bartels does give a lot of talks on student debt and debt education, and we collaborate a lot with the VBMA, and there are great resources as well. I will also put the link to their website in our episode notes as well. So thanks for that feedback. We really appreciate it. So one last question that I tend to ask people on the podcast, which you probably heard if you listen to other episodes, but do you have a secret talent or something that you love to do that other people might not know about? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I don't know that I would call this a talent, but um, I do like to bake a lot and you know, like everybody else with COVID, I decided to take up some bread making. So I, um, <laughs> sourdough. Yes. Sourdough. I, <laughs> of course. I made my own sourdough starter, which took me like two weeks of just like feeding it every day and trying to wait for it to bubble in my windowsill. Um, and then I did, I, I did a few sourdough loaves and I made, um, some sourdough bagels, which was my first time trying to make bagels and they came out really oh, good. That's fantastic. <laughs> I've actually somehow been really busy this summer since that. So I haven't had time to keep going with it. Well, Amber, thank you so much for everything that you're doing. We really love having you, you know, help the VIN Foundation and your blog post was great. I hope others go and read it. And thank you so much for sharing your experience with us and being willing to be open and share what you went through so that others can hopefully learn from you as well. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I hope that my little sliver of advice can be helpful at least to somebody. I'm sure that it will be. It's been helpful to me already. I've already learned things. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Amber. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Veterinary Pulse. Please check the episode notes for additional information referenced in the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow, subscribe, and share review. We welcome feedback and hope you will tune in again. You can find out more about the VIN Foundation through our website, vinfoundation.org, and our social media channels. Thank you for being here. Be well.